Hello and welcome to Full Send with Christina Kim and Alan Shipnuck. We are back at it again. It is Monday of Ryder Cup week. I'm still in California, but I'm on my way to Wisconsin on Wednesday. I like to skip some of the preamble, which is tedious in the best of times and Ryder Cup week. It's just out of control, but I'm super duper excited to, um, for this Ryder Cup I was watching one of the Euro Tour hype videos. I don't know if you remember that one they made uh, three years ago with Sam Torrance and Jose Marie Olathebel and some other old timers. And even though it's essentially to get Europe pumped up, it just like got my blood pumping. And uh, I think this is going to be an, an awesome Ryder Cup. Christina is coming in hot from Portland. She's now in Arkansas. Uh, tell me what's going on in your world, CK. Well, I you're you're right. I did leave uh, the beautiful region of the Pacific Northwest, and we left the greater Portland area. We were uh, about half an hour, forty minutes south of Portland in Oregon City. Um, we were able to experience a Peter Jacobson design golf course. <laughs> I think it's one of his earlier designs. The course was established in 1992 over at the Oregon Golf Club. Um, and yeah, I'm in the NWA, as they like to say around here, which I find highly ero- ironic. Was that Northwest Arkansas? Northwest Arkansas, yes, sir, because they've got uh, Rogers, Arkansas, home of Walmart, home of Tyson Chicken. Um, Procter & Gamble has one of their world headquarters here. Uh, a huge transportation or cargo something or other, and... God bless. What was it? They they had the it's big. A, four it's like, here. isn't it like a legendary shopping week because there's all these super high end malls and um, and the LPGA players, you guys are staying right there, and everyone goes a little crazy. Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, it, it is. It is an absolute oasis here. You you are because you, you. I mean, when we talk in Northwest Arkansas, I mean the NWA is N and W in the A. And, uh, like Missouri is not that far from here. Kansas right there, Oklahoma, like it's, it's all right here. And you've got this, you know, beautiful, beautiful farmland, like lots and lots of little rivers and Beaver Lake is not far from here. And like, this is one of the largest, um, uh, it's like in the top 150 largest regions in the country because you've got, uh, Fayetteville, which is home of the University of Arkansas. Uh, they got them hogs, Razorbacks. Um, you've got, obviously, Rogers, which is home of, like I said, Walmart. Uh, Fayette, uh, I said Fayetteville. You got Bentonville. Um, and you've got, shoot, what's it called? All, you kind of sound like Bill Clinton all of a sudden. I mean, <laughs> I'm digging it. I do, I do do this every now and again when I come into a region. I just start picking up a little bit of the, uh, of the, the, the regional speak, if you, the, the local tongue. <laughs> yeah. um, well, so we, let's address the elephant in the room here, your, your penalty in Portland, because when I read your tweet, it's like, oh, it's such a punch in the gut. Tell the viewers, the viewers, the listeners, <laughs> maybe there's a few viewers, what, what happened? How did it feel? Uh, how big a hole did you want to crawl into and h- how do you rally from something like that? Well, I clearly didn't shit. Also, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was my 16th hole of the day and I was, you know, I, I was, I was, it, it's a difficult golf course in all honesty. I, I'm not going to lie. I don't even know what the winning score was. I, I know shit. What was it like? four under or six under came runner up in my buddy Sue O. Um, I, and so again, we're in this very, very beautiful part of the Pacific Northwest and we're at the Oregon golf club. And I, I've had a number of people come up to me that are not, you know, like not associated with the LPGA by way of like, whether they're officials or, you know, like other players and caddies and stuff. Cause we, we all just kind of like gave each other that look. Um, but you know, like I, I spoke to when I was actually at the airport, um, Todd and I were talking and, and one of the, uh, a random lady came up to us and said, yeah, I used to, you know, I used to work there. I was a member there for a long time. Like, what'd you think? And, <laughs> um, I was just like, well, it was very, very pretty. Um, and the greens, I mean, the, there were times when you felt like if you did like a quick little look, you, there were, there were some really good holes. Uh, I'm not going to lie. There's some really good holes. It's just there, you know, when you're sitting there and, and initially the first hole is, it was, we were due to play it at 565 yards into the wind. T shot plays 10 yards up. 
second shot plays as much as 30 yards up, and then the third shot plays like 10 yards up. So it's like a 600-yard par five um, into the wind. So they moved us up like 25, 30 yards. But I anyway, going back to hole seven, it's just like little downhill, dog leg right, water on the right-hand side, and, and on the left you've got, you know, I mean, it, it, it's a pretty tight tee shot. And I was like, between my three wood and my, my three hybrid. And Todd was like, dude, we're good with the three wood. Like, you know, we're good. And I was like, yeah, you're right. We good. Um, and I drew my three wood over some trees. And I was like, ah, I'm like, it's all right on the left-hand side. We'll be okay. And, you know, we had a couple of spotters. I just see a spotter just dart over, like, left of the fairway. And I'm just like, <laughs> all right. I'm like, I, I was at, was I, shit, I think I was two over maybe at that point or something yeah. like that in the round. And I, I go up there. there and there's, yeah, I'm like, okay, worst case. Like, I think that it's open enough where I can get something to the green. It's not going to be a long club. Worst case, chip out if you have to and then get on, try and get up and down for, for par. If you make bogey, like, okay, you got a couple of chances coming in. And I walk up there and one of the other playing partners, she hit driver followed the same line as mine, if not a little farther left. And I was like, all right, like, you know, we'll be okay. And we see a ball like in the trees and I'm just like, "Eh, well, that's the first ball that we came across and I hit three, which she hit driver. Okay. So, okay. So I'm kind of walking over and then I see like off in the distance, you know, like another 50 yards up, I see this like tiny flutter of red and I'm like, huh? Like, I guess that's the other the other golf ball and so I was like all right and she was you know I was taking my time because I was like all right like it's all good like you know I wasn't just to clarify I was the red is the, the spotter's flag the little flag they... yes yeah, yeah. yes okay. the little just flag that the know. spotters yeah. put down yeah excuse me when when we miss our tee shots um you know even and it's funny like sometimes your ball will be sitting on top of the rough three inches from the first cut and they'll just put a flag down and I'm like thank you <laughs> for trying doing to be helpful job. like yeah it's, <laughs> I'm like I, I'm, I sit there I'm like that's so cute and so, you know, you know we're every, walking down. Wait, I just have to say, every altercation I've ever had on a golf course has been with, like, a volunteer marshal, where, like, a couple times, jaw to jaw, like, these people think they know how I should do my job better than I do, even though they work one week a year, and this is what I do for a living. And so, like, the officious volunteer who just has to get in everyone's business, like, I've, I've, I've gone to the mattresses a few times with them, so... Uh, I'm not surprised that they're uh, they're overdoing the little red flags. Anyway, please yeah, continue. Yeah, because it's their it's their one week a year. I know. You know? Or you get I a know. few people that come to a handful of tournaments and volunteer or whatever. But you know, this is this is. It, it's it is there time to shine? Well, it's it shows time how much to they shine. care, and the last thing they want to do is ever fuck up. And so walking down, and the other player in our group is walking ahead of me because I got short, stumpy legs, and I'm taking my time, and I'm just like, all right, like just collect yourself. It's going to be okay go up there and she stops by the first ball and I'm just like is that your ball and she's like yeah this is mine and I was like all right and so I you know I see that other little flutter of fabric you know 50 fucking yards ahead and I'm like all right well we're really close to a like thicket of brambles and I was, and, and sometimes, so if your ball is, it, it, it all varies based on, you know, the person that's marking your ball, like they can put the flag like uncomfortably close to your golf ball, or if it's near the <laughs> shit, they'll mark it like 10 yards away. And I'm like, oh my God, if this is 10 yards in the shit, like I just, oh God. All right. Like, let's just see what it is. We go up there. It's a Titleist one. I'm like, all right, that's my ball. Okay, whatever. And this was the first week that I'd switched from the Pro V1 Star to the Pro V1X. So I was like, okay, there's a, I can just make out the Titleist, a red one. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Wait, how, how do you, do you mark your balls with a Sharpie? And if so, how do you do it? So if you're looking at the Titleist, it says Titleist and then one, and then to the right of the one. So basically underneath the, between the I and the S, I put an orange Dot. And I actually use marks a lot markers. I, I don't I don't use a sharpie, and I also I generally meant that generically. don't. My okay. bad. Um, I also don't sign with sharpies if I can help it. I will use a Milwaukee permanent marker. Um, We're going to and... devote an entire podcast next time to this very subject because you, you have my interest <laughs> and my attention. But there okay. is a reason. So... Um, so I'm like, all right, well, okay, I can barely, I can just make out the big T, and then I see the one, and I'm like, all right, cool, 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 and I'm like. You know, I'm 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 super focused because I'm like, all right, I and if I'm I'm I have I have to put on my rain suit 
so that I don't get completely shredded by the brambles because I'm inches away from the, the shrubbery. And Todd and I are talking it over a little bit. And he's like, well, if you can't read, and he's like, I was like, above all else, I have to sit there and look at what kind of backswing I have. And then from there, I'll be able to determine direction, this, that, whatever, whatever. And so the other girl went and Todd was like, she tried punching it out. And it, he's like, it might've gone in the water over on the right-hand side. Like it just went screaming down the hill. And I was like, okay, well, I don't have enough of a backswing to get this more than like 40 yards with run out anyway. So we'll be okay. So I go, I have this really awkward stance and I hit this unbelievable chip where if I, I could have very easily shanked it, um, and made great contact, a little eight iron, it trundled up, it went up over the car path and then just scuttled down barely into the fairway. And I was like, all right, cool. And everyone's like, all right, good shot. And because they were anticipating upwards of, you know, an inch to two inches of rain, like, we're just going to play the, and they had watered the course. Oregon's in a drought and I'd gone and played early and had mud on my ball and they were like, a, a member had said, yeah, in order for the course to be playable, like they have to keep the course drowned basically because of the amount of slope on the golf course and so we played the ball up for the entirety of the tournament so I go I mark my ball I pick it up and I was like it's not my ball it's a tideless one and again I saw just enough of it to be able to say okay that's mine like there's no reason for there to be another golf ball like in the area you know and and again I I don't use a line I just just one simple orange dot to the right of the one. And I'm like, my ball doesn't have a line. My ball doesn't have a line on it. This is not my ball. And Todd's like, what? I'm like, this is not my ball. And so I I go back to the marshal. I turn around. I'm like, this isn't my ball. And they were like, what? And I was like, that, that's not my ball. And one of the rules officials was there. I called her over. And so we, we trudge on our way back and my ball was within, I mean, she did a really good job because it, she ended up saying, yeah, you hit the cart path twice. And I was like, cool. (laughs) The one car path that's like four yards off the fair, uh, through the rough, cool. She's like, yeah, you hit it twice. So she's like, I had the line on it, and then I found that ball right there. So I, I, I just assumed. It. She's like, I'm so, so sorry. I'm, I feel so terrible. I'm like, sweetheart, I'm the one that missed the fairway. Like, you're just doing your job. It's, it's okay. Like, you know, everyone felt so bad, and I'm like, y'all are just, y'all are doing your best. Like, it's, it's, it's okay. Like, there's, there's not much to apologize for. You, you did your best. And I could have sat there and put my tee down and completely identified it, you know, and, and also I could have hit the fucking fairway. So, you know, whatever. And so the, the rules official comes by and I explained to her, I'm like, okay, so my ball ended up left. They marked it. The marshals marked it with a flag. I went, I chipped it out. I saw it was a tireless one. I chipped it out, went down there. I had to, you know, mark the ball so I can, you know, do lift clean in place. And I looked, it wasn't my ball. So and then we just found it. So I have to take an unplayable. Can you just tell me what I'm lying after I hit this shot? I don't want to do the math. Because I don't, I don't know. I don't, I just, I, I just, just, I'm a just. I'm going to hit this, and then you just tell me what I done did. Why is and it unplayable since you actually found your ball? So I found my ball three yards in the thicket. In the thicket. Got okay. Yes, that part excuse me. Get. Sorry, sorry. I did, okay. Oh, I didn't mention that part. No, it was, yeah. it was in there. It was, okay. it was pretty much on the same exact line as the, the ball that was found. I see. Okay. Just a little farther up. So excuse me. That, yeah, I, I, I failed to, to, um, uh, to put so that in. One off the tee, two to punch out. Three to go back to where you were. Four. So I'm hitting my fourth shot. Yeah. And, okay. the, and so I take my unplayable. Got it. So, so three back, take my unplayable as my fourth, chipped out five, on in six. And then I had like 12 feet uh, to, to, to make my hockey stick. And would have been a hell of a seven. Then I had, it would have been an amazing seven. And then I, <laughs> but I will say I had like five, five and a half feet to make my snowman. So it was very, there was a, there was a legitimate chance I would have put a sperm on the scorecard. So I'm, I was like, Hey, you know what? Okay. we got a snowman. That's okay. It's fine. I've actually never heard that. <laughs> never heard that? The nine. Also, because you never, you, you know, it's, if you're putting a nine on a scorecard, the last well, thing you're going to do is use it with a smooth hand so you get the wiggly tail too. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. Well, that's the beauty of USGA equitable scoring because with my handicap, I can't take more than a seven. So it's like, 
I've, I've used that line plenty of times. Must Two down be for nice. a USGA 7, please. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't put a 9 on my scorecard in decades, but uh, thank God well, for that. Oh, shit, bitch, neither have, neither have I. <laughs> and thankfully, I've been able to maintain that streak, so the victories may be small, but they do exist. Um, um, that's but yeah, and the, the poor, the poor, the, and, and so the rules official was kind of like, she was just a little flub, flummoxed. And I, I, I hit another really good chip. I, so I had to fucking chip it out again. <laughs> Uh, um, so and I hit another really good chip and she was like you just hit your fifth shot and I was like okay thank you and like everyone was just like I, I don't and like so I made my putt and I was like I, was, I went up to the our scorer who was following us around I was like just so you know that was an eight because I had to take you know after the penalty and then a unplayable and then I chipped it out and then I, because I missed that putt that, that was an eight and he was like <laughs> and you could kind of see him doing the math and I was, he was like are you not a and I was like no it wasn't a seven I promise it was an eight um that hurts i mean i've, so, I've done yeah, that before oh, it, was, it sucked and that's the thing i never and it like todd and i laughed because he was like the one the first week that you go back to a pro v1x and this fucking happens right. and i was like yeah i know because the thing is the pro v1x spins less than the pro v1 star so if i had the star maybe it wouldn't have gotten all the way to the thicket <laughs> it, it, it didn't matter you know does todd <laughs> Does Todd or, or any caddy in this situation have any culpability, or is it completely on the player? I'm pretty sure I'm the one that hit it off the fairway to the point where a flag was needed. Yeah. I take full responsibility. And I've said okay. this before. Even if, and thankfully this has never happened, but even if we're 100 yards out and Todd takes every single one of my clubs and snaps it over his knee and is like, you're 100 yards, you have to hit your three wood, I'm the idiot that hired him. It always goes back to the player. It's always it on always you. does. Okay. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, but yeah, I'm like I was like, it's morbidly, funny. I'm morbidly hoping he does that at some point just because it'll be great content. But um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we'll snap your clubs. I, I just we I can need probably to say find this other because content. Just as a wordsmith, five minutes ago, you used trundle and scuttle in the same sentence. And then a thicket of brambles to me you could just reverse that and you could say a bramble of thickets i would think it's the same thing i thought i didn't know what even what brambles were so um i'm just i'm I'm pleased with your vocabulary tonight christina and i want to acknowledge that well thank you i also use the word sperm <laughs> yeah. unfortunately i did note that as well it made me uncomfortable but, uh, yeah, well, what so else are you going to name it that's the thing you know <laughs> no no i mean it's so bad it's, I mean, it's perfect it's so bad it's good like there's nothing else that could be now that's all i'm ever going to think about um so that's yeah, a drag. It, yeah it is a little bit of a drag and then in the second round i actually and that's the thing it was it was legitimately like one bad swing and then in the next round i hit the ball really really well and um Every putt that I hit, and this was my first tournament back using a standard length putter. And I just, I mean, I had the touch of a blacksmith. I, I it was like, it, it didn't matter how far away from the hole it was. I'm like, this is going 41 feet. <laughs> like I, I just, it was, it was the definite head scratcher and coming <laughs> down the last few holes. I was like, you know, what? I can go five under in the last five holes. And then like gave myself chances and like hit a couple of, um, hit a couple of lips and, like just, you know, and then coming up 18, you know, I went through the green and two, which I know, right? Me, weird. And I was just like, well, you needed a two to make the to make the cut. And then I just fucking hit this little fluffy fluffer out of, uh, you know, a sort of a stubby lie. And then I was like, all right, well, shit. I'm 43 feet. So I know this is going to be a tap in. <laughs> so... You know, here we are in late September. I mean, you're still waiting on a hot streak for this season. Do you do you still have the unshakable belief that it's coming and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna finish this season in style or where where are you in your, your headspace? Well, one, you have to trust the process. I know that's like so cliche and it's so you know, Tiger used it to death, but I mean, I was talking with Todd and he's like, You're trending in the right direction. Like you look at I mean, in all honesty, if I did not have, if I, if I just made bogey on seven, I would have made the cut and I still would have felt like I played like shit in that first round, you know? So it's, it's, you got to just sort of take things for what they are. And I struck the ball so well and then just, you know, couldn't, 
putt to save my life on Friday. And, you know, Todd and I have spent a lot of time, you know, getting my lines right and, you know, making sure I'm seeing things correctly. And, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where like it happens when it happens and you can't force it. Like you just have to sit there and focus on what you need to focus on. And as opposed to thinking, you know, I had this talk with my dad and he was just like, um, one, he was like, what did your caddy do? I was like, he was caddying, not for caddying. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, he, he talks about focus and he's like, do you know how to focus? And I'm just like, yeah, you just kind of drown out the, you know, all the things that you're, you know, you don't want to think about. And he's like, no, you focus by focus, by thinking about the one thing. Mm, Cause those other things, all those, all those things that you quote unquote, don't want to think about, they're still there. But if you're able to have your mind solely be zoned in on the one thing that you do want that'll it's it'll just become that one thing becomes so loud the rest of it drowns out and I like that. um yeah because it's 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 you know it, it's 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 a means of acknowledging that everyone's nervous and acknowledging that everyone has these thoughts but at the same time if you can put your mind in a good place and focus on the good thing that you need, that you want, whether it's tempo, whether it's, you know, something to do with like your left pinky or whatever the fuck it is that you're working on, then if you can put your heart and devotion into that and have implicit trust. Then all those other things are just going to be like, ah, shit. All right. Well, we can still hang out here if you guys want. Yeah. I was listening to an old Hal Sutton podcast, which those words are rarely spoken, but it's for, it's for my um, my Phil Mickelson book. And actually, I like Hal. He's he's a character, and he said something similar it was in the context of you know he he was best player in the world for about eighteen months, and then he lost his game, and he fought back, and all that. And he said his thought as he was digging his way out of this, this deep dark hole was all he all he focused on was what he wanted to do, just what do I want to do with this shot. And not what could go wrong or what's my miss or mm-hmm. what's my swing thought. It's just like, what do I want to do with this shot? And um, I like that. And I, I've i really played almost no golf in the last few months because um, I just I can't give up the time. I'm just working on this book around the clock along with trying to keep kids alive and all that stuff. And But I did sneak out and played nine holes at Peter Hay and... I was, which is not a demanding golf course. It's a pitch and putt, right? But there, there's still some really tricky greens and there's some, some fiddly little numbers and you, you have to like pay attention to what you're doing out there. And um, anyway, I had, I was thinking about what Hal said and it, it was helpful. And I mean, I'm not bragging. I made three birdies and nine holes. And I had some really good nice. shots. And um, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to try and roll this for a while because I never really have, I mean, for the however many thousands of hours I spent in a driving range across my entire golfing life, I've never taken one lesson with like a mental coach. I've never spent almost any time on my mental preparation, right? Like as with probably every, every other recreational golfer, you know, like you, you obsess about little things in your swing or your putting stroke, but it's the mental game, which is at least 50% of it. We just sort of neglect and we don't even do anything intentional for. So, um, anyway, what you said, what Hal said, that kind of resonates. Like, I like that. And just um, for sure, I guess what your dad said, and uh, yeah, but that's the thing about your dad is he, he's 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 I, mean, I don't mean I mean this as a compliment, he's kind of like Forrest Gump, like he's like accidentally profound, right? Like you, when you don't expect it, he'll just drop something on you, like damn, like I remember that even from those interviews way back when when I was doing that SI story, it was like, like he's he has a way of like cutting through the clutter and just telling it like it is, which I always appreciated. So, yes, my dad is in the best possible way. Okay. He's more like Roy Kent than Ted Lasso. It's probably the best way to put it. <laughs> Not I finally watched the first couple, mind you. I finally watched the first couple of episodes of Ted Lasso, which I, I know I'm way behind, but like, I'm starting to get it. Like, uh, I'm, as much as I love movies and I love TV, I'm just, I'm not a big consumer with everything else going on. And so, eventually the FOMO gets so strong. Like, okay, I got to freaking watch some Ted Lasso. So uh, I'm only, I'm only two episodes deep, but I I can see the charm and the fun of it. So I'm hoping to catch up at some point. I will say that. So aside from Ted Lasso, I had not watched a new series since March of 2020. 
because hmm. I had always told myself, like, if shit gets real bad, like, what's going to happen to all them folk that have already watched the entirety of the internet? Like, I need a, this is like my survivalist sort you're of like You're like rationing it. Exactly, exactly. It's my tub of beans that I keep in, um, you know, somewhere in a basement. But I, Todd and I started Ted Lasso on, it might have been on Wednesday of last week. We're caught up. <laughs> like, do you guys watch together? Or like, you're like oh, he's in his room and you're in your room and you're like you're texting back and forth? I'm trying to picture this. Oh, no, no, no. We watch it together. We watch yeah. it together. We I sit have there Airbnbs on the couch. A lot, so, yeah. yeah, we do. We, we share Airbnbs. So we, <laughs> we, uh, we sit there and we watch it and we're just like, it's just amazing. Like there's so much. It, it, it reminds me, it's like a sporty, um, the good place. To mm-hmm. an extent, you know, yeah, in that, that. It, it is, there's a lot of wholesomeness. There's a lot it of is wholesome. It's very wholesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's nice. real though. It, yeah. And that's the thing because like you have people that are super swearsy and then, you know, people that use horrible language and you have some people out there that are actually trying to do harm to others and you can still have hope. You can still believe you can still, um, you know, be a goldfish if you want. And it is just, and there are just some amazing, like, I love, I love the interactions between Ted and Beard. And it's one of the, I, I sit there and like, I'm like, as I came across, you know, some of the characters like, like Nathan, Nate, I'm just like, oh my God, you're so British in your British way. And then you come across Rebecca and you were like, you are so British in your own way. And Roy I mean, is I'm, like the quintessential, like they're just, everyone's so relatable to people that I have experienced in my life. And I'm like, aside from the wisdom, the, the, uh, the, the, inadvertent unexpected wisdom am i ted lasso in this in this whole life like am i the one that's the positive person in everything i'm like who's that's my beard it, it's it's amazing though you know I wonder, and, and i the u.s Ryder cup team should bring should bring in ted lasso like as a little guest speaker how i don't i don't think steve stricker is is like cutting edge enough for that but that would actually be amazing you know in character see, like have him come into the team room people would go crazy Two things. One, that would be right up Steve Stricker's alley. Like he, he's, like America, he yeah. makes me think, yeah, pure Americana. Um, yeah. And two, I think, I mean, that bitch just won an Emmy. So he probably busy right now, but that would be amazing. That would be amazing. amazing. Let me think. Olivia, let's see. Olivia Wilde. And then let's see. Six degrees of separation of Jason Sudeikis. I'm sure I know someone that knows someone that knows someone that could get in touch with. Oh, you're going to hook it up. That's a a team (laughs) player. I mean, there has... We should talk a little about the Ryder Cup. I mean, the one just delicious bit of speculation is like, will Tiger wing in under the darkness of night for, you know, inspirational speech? On like Saturday night, that would be in, that would be the all time greatest mic drop if Tiger was just in the team room and the boys come back on Saturday night. Well, okay, so yes, that that would be, and it would not be the most um, uh, unbelievable thing. It would be damn near impossible. Um, that would that would shock and elate me but so long as it is not going to be at the detriment of his rehab and recovery i remember in well, what um, i mean he, he 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 gets driven in a golf cart to a g5 he gets up the stairs with his crutches he sits there they, they're waiting for him on the tarmac they put him in the back of a you know an suv he's gonna have to take a total of 100 steps like i'm not saying like you should be out there on sunday running around whistling straight and then like, let's say if there's turbulence and all it has to do, you know, I mean, I don't know what those pins are doing. Not, like, I mean, he's not, he's not like Mr. Glass. Like I think the, the guy's been like, he's been, this is six months ago, or whatever. I think he could handle like little I air. I would hope he could. I like to err on the side of caution. I, I do remember we had a, um, a retired Marine that came to be one of our helpers and he had lost um, one of his legs in, in Iraq, if I'm not mistaken. And he just gave one of the most inspirational speeches ever. And he's just a guy. Like, he's not like a, he wasn't a, a motivational speaker or anything. He was mm-hmm. just a young man yeah. that went and served, served the, our country, went to war, lost his leg, and had the most unbelievable outlook on life. And we were just like, we want to 
fucking win this for you and <laughs> for people like yeah. you that have served for our country and remember what this is you know, quote unquote, what this is all about, you know, just chasing that goddamn white golf ball around and, you know, <laughs> yeah. putting paint I mean, on our faces and stuff. It's It'd be awesome. Of, I will, I, I agree. It would be awesome. It'd be awesome. One of my really good friends was saying during the Olympics, he's, he's as a daughter, he's five years old, and he was trying to train her that she didn't have to automatically cheer for the Americans. Like, why not just cheer for great athletes from all over the world that don't mm-hmm. get caught up in the flag waving and the jingoism and, I mean, it's it's a it's a funny attitude because I, you, I've gotten this strain through my my Twitter portal a lot. You know, the angst of Americans. Like one guy wrote, "Of course, I, I'm I want to root for the USA because I'm American, but like I like six guys on the European team more than I like any of the Americans, and like I don't know what to do, and because um, it's they." They just have more personality. They're jauntier. They have more fun that week. Of course, that's, this is all part of why they, they play well in pressure pack situations. And so, yeah, I mean, oh. I know there's some conflicted American fans out there who probably have, uh, especially given the, the melodrama surrounding this, this U.S. team with Brooks and Bryson and, and Bryson and Patrick Cantlay and Patrick Reed and everybody and, and all that. And so um, it's just funny. I mean, Ultimately, people are going to root for the U.S., and I think it's going to be quite a scene in Wisconsin. I feel like these things are always better in the heartland versus on the coasts, you know, and you've seen that in the Solheim Cup. It's just, I mean, like Toledo is such a great venue for for the Solheim. It's just, I think the people of Wisconsin are going to come really strong, and given the state of global international travel, there might not be more than a handful of, of European fans. Like, it's going to be quite a, a home a home field advantage, which will be, uh, which is fun. It's how it should be, and you know it's going to be loud. And I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely looking forward to it. Like I I've been doing this now since 1994, right? And I still enjoy going to the Masters and the U.S. Open and, and all the big events. But when when I get on site, I start getting excited. But the mm-hmm. days before, it's like eh, whatever. I've been to you know a lot of Masters. Like I'll I know I'll get excited when I'm there, but right it hit me today like oh my god Ryder cup it's been three years like uh i'm and of course a lot of folks are now trickling into whistling straights and so you're getting getting the social media energy and and the visuals and it's like damn this is coming and uh anyway it hit me today so i'm i'm, I'm excited about it. i can't wait to get there it's um uh, it's a challenging week in that there's no real access to the players everything is very scripted and we, you know, reporters don't have act. We can't get in the team room, of course, and they just sort of bring people when they can. In the past, it was always a great week for observational reporting because the players who were benched, plus all the wives, plus the assistant captains, were kind of they were just wandering down the fairway, and you could sort of bird dog them with. Uh, and I, I got so much good material that way. But with all the COVID protocols and this and that, I, it's going to be harder. So I always, you know, how I rate my week. It's like how good are my stories, you know, and my output. That's what I care about more than anything. The accommodations, the food, way down on the list is like who wins. <laughs> like that's somebody relevant to me. It's uh, so it, uh, it's going to be it's going to be a uh, a challenging work week. I know that, but I'm I'm trying not to get too bogged down in the details. Like you can only do what you can do, and COVID has definitely changed the way we can all do our jobs and uh, as reporters. So. You just you can't beat your head against the wall. Like you, you can only get what you can get, and without getting tossed off the grounds, which I'm not trying to do. So, uh, but anyway, it, it, it's going to be fun. And I will say that um, it's kind of a big deal for us at the Fire Pit Collective because when we were just launching this thing back in the spring, and we were having talks with um, Golf Digest, and they wanted to collaborate, and we felt like that was an important platform for us. And so, for all the major championships this year, I wrote for Digest.com. As we've continued to grow and uh, it's the recognition we got for the PG of America, they were willing to credential me under the, the collective. So this That's week, I'm, awesome. I'm, I know it's cool. So I'm just, I'm just, all my works should just be on firepitcollective.com. And we decided I'd already been trending this way anyway. You know, the old template of just going and writing one story a day and maybe you find something small you, you throw up there and, and, and throw up and doing a bunch of tweets like, it's fun. I, I I enjoy it. I'm, it's comfortable, but I want to do something a little more dynamic. So we're going to, uh, during the week, during the, the 
competition days, I'm going to do like some live Twitter Q and A's and, um, do some typed sort of ask Alan things and try and make people feel like they're really there. And I'm, I'm the guy on the inside who can answer their questions and, and be their eyes and ears. Cause ultimately with the wall to wall coverage that exists, like no one really needs me to tell them what's happening on the golf course. Like everyone pretty much knows. So the, the fun of it is to, well, I'm also going to try and shoot a lot of video. I'm going to turn them into little like, um, you know, diaries and, uh, just what does it feel like to be there? What are the what are you seeing in the crowd and behind the scenes that, that people don't have access to? So it's kind of a fun, different challenge. You know, I, I'm not that old, but I'm kind of a dinosaur, as you know, Christina, always having to walk me through the, the technical aspects of <laughs> taking this podcast. <laughs> so uh, it is all uh, slightly out of my comfort zone. You know, I'd rather just like sit behind my computer and type a story, which is what I, I know how to do. But I'm going to, I'm going to give it a go. It could be a total disaster, but hopefully it'll be fun and people will be into it. I love the evolution and <laughs> the, as little shade as I, I'm trying to throw as little shade as possible, but I cannot wait for the day where you can have this kind of excitement for the Solheim cup. Oh, I know. I mean, well, listen, I, it was a really, really I, hard. I, it was a. I know the the, the schedule was, a hard was super super tough. I know it was. You told me that. You, you told me that, and you told everyone else. That. I know. I love I, the I soul hard cut. I know you do. I I know you do. But you know, <laughs> there will. I, I I gotta I gotta back my girls. You know, and who knows? Maybe you would have been able to find out which player it was that I spoke to that told me. Um, you know, one of the 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 players on one of the teams where I just said, "What do you think it is?" Uh, in reference to the American players and they gave me one word and it was ego. Maybe you would have been able That's to give to, to have gleaned that out, you know, I don't know, but <laughs> okay. maybe I, again, I, we're, we're all making progress. Though. We're all making progress and we well, got to do what we have to do on our end to entice yeah. everyone to want to come out and play. So, you know, we'll no, just take I the blame to, on this listen, one. Christina <laughs> and to all the listeners, don't, I saw me swear I'll be the next effing Solheim cup. Which is only next year. It's like 11 months from now. That's a good thing. You know, we don't have to wait very long. It's in 23 so. in Spain. You just want to go to Spain. It's in 23. I thought they were doing one next year so we could get, um, they could get off of the Ryder Cup. So they're not opposite Ryder Cup. I was told it was in 23. Wait, I could on, be wrong. I'm, I'm going to Google this yes. right now while we're talking. One of us is wrong. Go for it. Um, I'm wrong all the time, so. But of course I want to go to Spain. Who doesn't want to go to Spain? But that, even if it was in, in Toledo Malaga. again, I would go. <laughs> Are you typing it into? Uh, yeah, 2023. Yeah. Finca Cortesan, Andalusia, Spain. Why did I think? I thought they were bringing another one back. Uh, maybe because everyone assumes that the women are going to back down and do things in order to make the guys feel like they're going to be able to it, keep things uh, up. It's yeah, not whatever. about backing cool. down. It's about spreading the wealth. I mean, spreading the wealth by virtue of us always having to be the ones to compromise. Gotcha. Well, I would have, I loved that. I would say, what's wrong with the idea of having both of them in the same year, though? That's the thing. I would think it would be awesome if they were able to find a way where we flip them, where they're both held in the same year, but opposing continents. I think that would be great. Because then they're both still biannual events, and one gets a home advantage, and then. For the other, for the other team, they get the home advantage, you know, by way of the men versus the women. Like, I think that'd be fucking awesome. Dang, I, I'm, I feel cheated. Like, you just stole a Solheim Cup from me. Like, I actually, I don't know. I read that somewhere. I swear, I gotta get off the. I know reasons. it was something that people had been contemplating. It was um, out there, yeah. And I, I think it's, it's something to do along the lines with that, with Presidents Cup, Ryder Cup, Solheim. Uh, Walker yeah. and Curtis, like they're, they're all trying to figure everything out. As of now, yeah. I know for a fact we're in 2023. Well. Practically speaking, and I'll, I'll answer this question, the, the problem with having them in the same year, around the same time, late in the season, is you get news organizations, and I know because I've been part of these conversations in the past, whether it was at Sports Illustrated or Golf Magazine, you know, slash golf.com, is that there is a finite budget. And by the time you get to September, sometimes it's it's starting to, it's starting to dwindle. And, um, you know, if it's not really an issue for the Fire Pit Collective, we do what we want. But for other, oh, for don't other people, say that for you having not gone to Solheim. Well, I is I told you it's because I'm like underwater <laughs> on this Mickelson is, book, and this is I, your guy. I know, and this is your first year with the I with know. you guys having just incepted the fire pit collection. I yeah. know. 
I know. But the point is like, that is, that is a, that is possibly a practical issue that could negatively affect one or both events. Like if people have to make hard choices on what to cover, but, um, well, if they know that in the future going forward, they're going to be in the same year, then just be like, all right, every, every even year, every odd year, whatever, you know, whatever they end up deciding, okay, we're just going to make sure that our budgets are adjusted so that the following year we don't have to spend as much money, you know, like, well, that's a very optimistic view of how things actually work. <laughs> I mean, yes. This is coming from someone that has no, no business yeah. in business, let alone any understanding yeah. of it. No, for it's, sure. It's usually sense. the people that are outside looking in that are like, well, this seems like a simple solution. And a lot of times people are like, you know what? One, that won't work. But two, yeah, we didn't really think of it that way. But at the end of the day, that won't work. So the Solheim Cups in Spain and the Ryder Cups in Italy. This is, why would anybody cover any sport other than golf? I mean, and let's on. say, why don't we have just one week off between the two then? Because then that'll give you reason to have a three-week vacation in Europe, go to Santorini or, I don't know, <laughs> Dubrovnik or something like that. Yeah, I'm in. I mean, honestly, you know, the, the, the 2014 U.S. Open at Pioneers with the men and the women at the same venue, I thought was wonderful. Like, why not do the Ryder Cup and the Solheim Cup at the same time on the same venue? Because it's such low impact. You only have like two holes in use at any given moment. And you just stagger the tea times by a couple hours. You got the crowd there. Like that would be nuts. And I think it would be incredible platform for both. Like in your mind, that takes away from, from what, from the Solheim is, I don't know. Like, as you're Not saying, necessarily it's, it's, it is conceivable actually. Cause my first thought was, is there enough daylight, but you, you've only got, you know, in essence, eight matches at a time as opposed to four matches at a time. And yeah. you're not going to have people on, you know, it's not like people are going to be turning on to the front nine or anything like that. So it is, it is definitely conceivable. It's doable. I'm the wrong person to be asking that shit. Go I don't know. I, it could, it would just be, that would be epic. And I don't know. I have to think if that's even a good idea. I mean, I like them. I like them each having their own identity and their own, their own stage, but at the same time, yeah, but this I mean, is this is you know if you want to make it more of a quote unquote battle of the continents or battle of the USA mm -hmm. versus Europe, then you know why not be equipped fully equipped with the men and the women? You know, I mean, it's like look at our look at the military. We have men and women fighting together. If you want to take that <laughs> yeah. drastic, and I'm not even. Route. I'm not saying make it a mixed team. I mean, keep keep it as it is. Oh no, no, for ropes, sure, but, for sure. But yeah. still have them at the same at the same venue. You yeah. know, I would I, I I could be very mistaken. I just think that you know. Maybe some of the guy, you know, some people looking at from the Ryder Cup view would be like, "Oh God, they're just going to hang on to our coattails," kind of a thing. Um, nah, and then they're I mean, going to be some, some people at the crowds in Toledo. That'd be like, Solheim Cups doing yeah, fine no, by for itself. sure. Oh, there's um, no doubt about it. No but, doubt. That about was it. one of my favorite days ever in golf. Was Sunday at 2014 U.S. Open as. Uh, you know, the LPGA players were streaming in and getting, getting access to the facilities while, you know, Martin Keimer's out there like putting and he's chatting up. I can't remember which, which LPGA player was, had like this weird little putting device. And this guy's about to go out and win the U S open. And he's like messing around with this putting device on the green. And I remember there was, you know, a handful of the LPGA players went out and watched they were inside the ropes. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and that was just, it was just a, a cool scene. And, uh, uh, of course, it's kind of somewhat similar at the Olympics. There's a little overlap in the schedule, and I saw that in Rio with the, um, like, I think there's a kinship, and you felt it at the Vic Open and other places. Like, um, it's just fun. You, you guys are playing the same game, but you're doing it slightly differently, and, and each side can learn from the other. And uh, anyway, we don't have to we don't have to go any deeper on the subject of a co-ed international event, but it, it's fun to think about. And I'll, I'll oh, absolutely. Too. Yeah. All right. Well, we, we're going to go really deep on the Ryder Cup next week. We talked about it last week. I think we could. Um, I think we can table the rest of it because we don't have to. We don't have to speculate. We don't have to pontificate. It's actually here. It's going to happen, and we're going to have real results. And is Brooks going, going to down. play? Do you think? What's that? Is Brooks going to play? You think? I mean, he's it's still there. early in the week. He's he's there. Yes. I can't imagine that he would have gotten on the plane if he was like stiff and sore and things weren't working. Like he says, he's healthy. He's there. I, I think you have to assume that he's in there for the duration. Now, whether he'll seems unlikely he'll go thirty six in a day, which is fine. I mean, the U.S. team's got plenty of depth, but the, you know. 
Brooks's number one contribution will be if he can just go in there and be like fun to be around and not this brooding, like too cool for, for school kind of vibe. And if, you know, his, he always talks about, you know, he want, he wished he'd been a baseball player and he's an athlete and all this. So, okay, now you're all of a sudden you're in a team sport. So be a team leader and, and bring a great energy and inspire people and go out of your way to, to help them succeed. You know, that's the essence of a team sport. So, um, I think this is an important week for Brooks. Like, uh, you know, I've detected there's a little curdling of sentiment around him. You know, he's been acting kind of like a bully and a troll all year long, um, to Bryson. And at the same time, you know, his plays obviously dropped off the last couple of years, injury related, but you know, it's, if you're going to talk a lot of trash and, and be this controversial figure, you got to back it up on the golf course and he really hasn't. So, um, I feel like, this is an important week for, you know, sort of the Brooks Kepka reclamation project. So I'll be watching him closely. It's also big for Bryson. I mean, this is the one week all year that uh, the crowd is definitely going to be cheering for him, right? Like he's had a very rocky season and um, there's been, there's been so much, you know, just kind of in the air around him, a lot of negativity, but this is the one week where every single person there in red, white, and blue is going to be cheering for him. And I think that's going to, that's going to be a big deal for, for Bryson. And, um, you know, obviously those two guys are going to be a focus because of all the subplots, but also because they have a ton of game. I mean, they could, they should both be, you know, match play killers, but, um, neither one delivered in Paris. So I don't know. It, it's, there's, there's so much intrigue. I mean, you, you can go down the list. There's a lot of guys who have a lot to prove, especially on the U S side. And that's what adds the, the tension and that, um, the suspense, you know, can, can they come through? I mean, Europe, they have this transitional year there. Um, they've lost some of their, their, their stalwarts, you know, without no Sergio, no, or not, sorry, no Justin Rose, no Heinrich Stenson. You know, this could be like the last stand for that, that generation of, of Sergio and Westwood and Poulter. And so, um, They've they've won so much, they've accomplished so much. I feel like they're playing with house money. And um but as always, the US team has a lot to prove. So it's it's gonna be tense. I mean that, that's what that's what's fun about it, right? I mean it's there's just so much at stake and um anyway, I'm pumped. That's awesome. Quick question. Who do you think between Bryson and Brooks is more like Jamie Tart from Ted Lasso? <laughs> and then would that make Poulter more like a Roy Kent? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I mean, I think you need to answer that because you're clearly way more fluid in the, in the show than I am. But um, hmm, that's good. What What is your answer? There are aspects to the only thing that, that at, as of right now, is no, it's no, no shade, no dig or anything like that, is that as of right now, Neither Brooks or Bryson are Jamie Tart because at the moment, hope and hopefully this does change, and hopefully it does change this week. Neither of them has been able to back it up yet because Jamie Tart, fucking good, and (laughs) Ian Poulter is like yeah, he's like a Roy Kent, season one Roy Kent. in that, you know, like you said, he's he's the journeyman. He's he's one of the greatest writer cuppers of all time, just like Roy was one of the greatest ever at Chelsea. And we'll see, you know, it's 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 that transitional point. Not to say that Ian can't go out and play in two, three, four more writer cups. He's probably really close to being viewed as a captain. Um, yeah. I would suspect, you know, just just because like you know, it's just hard because he's still so competitive and he's still yeah, really yeah. fucking no, he's good. There, they'll ride him as long as they can. I mean, yeah. I just think about when he played Dustin Johnson in, in singles in Paris. There's not a single thing that Ian Poulter does better than Dustin on the golf course. And there's a lot of things Dustin Except does a hell of a win. lot better than Ian Poulter. <laughs> like, and he still beat him. It's just like... I don't know. We don't know enough about both of their shit talking when it comes down to tournament time. That's the thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. I mean, thing. oh yeah. If, if you're making a list of intangibles and other things, then yeah, Poulter's got some some big edges. But I'm just talking about, you know, skill off the set, tee, long iron, yeah. like whatever. Like Dustin is better at literally every part of golf, and yet he couldn't even he couldn't hang with them. It's just the I mean, classic classic performance. So, um, all right. Well, I'm looking forward to Ryder kicking Cup. it around. Um, good luck in in NWA. 
Do they, they have hats with like old English script and everything? Like I, I want like an NWA hat like that. That would. If I find one, I promise I will get you one. I have not come across one yet. <laughs> have we talked about this? So I got my cell phone in the '90s, and I lived in Long Beach, and um, it's five six two area code. And there must be a cell tower in Compton that things get routed through because if, if I call someone and I'm not in their phone, it comes up as Compton, California, and which obviously gives me so much street cred. But people are like, oh, I almost didn't answer because it's Compton. It's like, what? Am I going to reach through the screen and snatch a necklace? Give me a break. This is ridiculous. <laughs> and, and conversely, also, that's very, that's stereotyping and derogatory. So shame on them for thinking that. <laughs> right. And conversely, my home phone, I have a landline just because. I live in Carmel Valley and the cell reception is terrible. And for doing interviews, I like to have a landline where I know it's not going to get dropped. And when I call someone on that, it comes up as Big Sur. Because I guess, you know, it's kind of over the hill. And it's like, which, which one do you think gets answered more often, Big Sur or Compton? Yeah. It's like, yeah, no lie. I roll. But no anyway, well, we funny. I Yeah, I live in Orlando, Florida, where the area code is 407. Grew up in San Jose, born and raised. Still have my number from San Jose, 408. I'm sure that messes a lot of Unreal. people up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Whenever they're like, "Can I get your number to you know for like you know coupons or whatever?" I'm just like four zero eight, and they pause for like <laughs> right. three and seconds while they go, and then they go and press delete and then put the eight in, and they're like, <laughs> "There is there's a five six one area code in Florida, and um, mm-hmm. I'm five six two, so West Palm I, I, Beach. I get, yeah, yeah, I get that too. So. Two one three in LA, and we have three two one here. It's all yeah, it it doesn't make no sense. It does not. All right, let's release the listeners, Christina. Um, anyway, this is fun as always, and I want you to maybe use more than just a tiny little orange dot this week. Are we rethinking how we mark the golf ball? Bitch, please! I've been marking my ball like that since I was twelve. I'm just gonna keep it in the fairway. Okay. I ain't gonna get any of those little stupid flags near my golf ball. Very Even simple. It's a much better very simple. Plan. All right. Well, um, I will have to say that. Uh, Are we going to let the listeners know that there is going to be a special episode, an additional episode dropping this week, this weekend? Well, it's slightly premature. We we have to figure out the logistics, but what Christina is alluding to is we want to do an instant react Sunday night from the Ryder Cup, and we might have a guest host here on Full Send to run it back. We're still working out the particulars. There's other podcasts on the, 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 the Fire Pit Network, so... Definitely, we'll have a podcast up late, late Sunday night or early, early Monday morning. Christina's going to be in transit, so she's kind of out as she's getting to um, up to Jersey for the ne- next tour event. Joyzy, but, Joyzy, yeah. If 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 those are in, those of you who are interested, we will. I'll tweet about it, and we'll we'll, we'll put it out there in various fashions so so folks know where to find it. But um, you and I will be back as always next Wednesday with our own recap of arkansas wisconsin and other points in between for sure well all right that being said i just want to say thank you to everyone for listening and hopefully everyone has a great week go usa go a handful of players on the european team because i just like them and go golf above all else so um Thank you very much for listening to yet another scintillating episode of Full Send with Christina Kim. And Alan Shipnick. Thanks, y'all. Bye.